Listeners at home, welcome. This is the Ordinary Church Podcast. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Connor. We're here in Mike's office. It's a beautiful day. It's cold. a beautiful, cold, chilly day. Chilly I'm day. still, my men's group met outdoors today because everybody's outdoors. Yeah, we're purple outside. now. And, you know, we had masks. We had uh, chairs that were, set, uh, you know, separated. And I'm telling you, I am still defrosting. Uh, that was from <laughs> 7 to 8.30. And an hour later, my toes now are still frozen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, Sunday morning, listeners, if you're coming to Grace Church Sunday morning, uh, what, this, uh, November 22nd, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we will have heaters. And I'm telling you, wherever you land in that tent, it'll be cozy and warm. There you go. You yes. heard it from the man. Uh, so we want to get into the subject uh, for today, which is uh, divided believers uh, who are divided on political lines. Well, you're going for the jugular. I'm going right for it. I'm going oh, right you're for going it. For, no, we, I uh, knew what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, and we yeah. want to, well, Michael, let, let me turn it over to you. Uh, what do you want to address in that area right now? Oh, boy. If, if I could just say one thing, listeners, if you've been listening, and you know what, whether you're on far right, far left, somewhere in the middle, or you don't care, okay, you should care. I think you should care about life. But here's the thing. I'm Okay, now I'm going to assume, let's just say, that everyone listening is a believer. Okay, you can't assume everyone's a believer. But let's just say that right this moment, people are listening. Everyone's tuned in, hopping on. Love the Lord. They're all believers who love the Lord, and they and they and the Word of God is their final authority. Yep. God is their authority, and they believe the Word is authoritative, the written Word of God. Okay, so if we have that all clear, that we want to say, like at Grace Church of Orange, you should be able to be here and not be judging everyone else for their perceived politics mm-hmm. or feel- their. Or feel how you, or feel like you're ostracized, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And I realize that that happens all the time. And it, mm. it Connor, it breaks my heart. There yeah. are people that I know don't even go to Grace anymore, or maybe don't want to. It breaks my heart because I feel like they're friends of mine mm. that don't want to be friends because of they're perceiving that I'm not in line with all the things they're in line with, or our church isn't, or whatever. And my thought, my thought is this. And I, someone told me this today. They're glad that our pulpit, that my pulpit is not political. And if you're hearing, if you think you're hearing political things from the pulpit, you're you're hearing into it. You're reading into it. Hmm. And the idea that maybe you can piece together maybe where you think I land, but I, I don't I don't use the pulpit as a political platform yeah. where a lot of pulpits, far right and far left, have have turned their pulpits into political platforms. And we can all name the names of the pastors that have done that. Mm. Where they're making political statements from the pulpit. What I want to do is say, focus on Jesus, folks. Mm -hmm. Let us focus on Jesus. Like, there shouldn't be divided believers over politics. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't. I have talks all the time with people, and and I'm friends with people, neighbors and people in church and every all around who don't believe or accept the same things I do on the on the social uh, you know scale Mm -hmm. uh, but we we both believe very firmly on the word of god Mm -hmm. so i guess i guess i would i want to go there and say why is it that politics are bigger for some people than our our uh our the priority of our faith in christ and our unity in the christ have we misunderstood the nature of the church yeah i i know we wanted to get into the question a little bit of where these influences are coming from. Okay. And um, maybe I could ask you the question, do you think that people are turning and, and listening to other authorities in the Word of God that are like leading them in this direction? I do. Uh, and I think far right and far left. And when I, I keep saying far right and far left, I don't care. You could be in the middle. Uh, you could be a moderate, hmm. uh, progressive. You know, the names don't really matter as much as the actual stances. Um, 
look, the Sermon on the Mount, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, here's what was said. Okay, this is what Matthew, Matthew 7, 28 and 29. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. They were blown out of the water. They couldn't believe it. Why? For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Because he is the living word and he was giving the written word. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, you know, the word of God is authoritative. John 17, 17, Jesus says, your word is truth. Mm -hmm. uh, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. And First Peter, uh, Peter quotes that. Um, if, if it's cemented in your heart and mind that the word of God is authoritative over all, and then you or I run to a, a quote-unquote authority and believe, you know, like you could ask the question, who are you believing when it comes to COVID numbers? You know, I have three different places I go to for the stats, and I mm -hmm. actually make sure they line up with one mm -hmm. another. And, I, you know, so you go there. Yeah, you, yeah. John Hopkins or um, the um, the COVID uh, the COVID uh, uh, tracking project or a worldometer, you know, mm -hmm. and, and go to those places and mm -hmm. look and see. But where are you going for your news, for your information? Because whether it's your own mind or a pundit or a politician, some professional, you are believing someone and it's driving the way you think. Yeah. Yes. Is it possible that someone could start to look at the Bible through the lens of a political Oh, absolutely. Or, or belief system. Absolutely. Cultural appropriating. You know, it's basically yeah. saying um, uh, this is cultural uh, exegesis mm. uh, where I said this on Sunday in my sermon, but you need to let the Bible drive the conversation and see the world through a biblical lens, not see the Bible through a worldly lens. And that's exactly what people are doing. I, I see it. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I see what people are doing. And uh, a lot of progressive Christians and we're going to do a, a Grace Bible Institute, listeners, on progressive Christianity because that's one of the, the places where we have seen the most error mm -hmm. come into the church because people are twisting the Bible to their own destruction, yep. as Second Peter says. Yep. Uh, literally, they're twisting the Bible to their own destruction. And people are putting things on. I was reading something this morning on Twitter, and it was like, here's what pro-life means. And it's this whole litany of things. And it's like just... You know, picking things out of a hat and then basically um, moralizing and forcing people to think a certain way. There's so much forced, um, oh, what's the word, uniformity right now where if you don't do what I think you should do, I will shout you down. I will cancel you. And again, far right, far left, everywhere in between. Yeah. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I notice it. And I feel like I'm trying to be honest and call it out on both sides no matter where I land. And I think... Listeners, you know I'm I'm very conservative, and I'm going to say my politics must be must be driven by the Bible and not the other way around. Yeah. What um What do you mean when you say that you're conservative? Just I don't know. I'm just conservative politically. I'm conservative uh, socially. I'm conservative fiscally. I'm sure. conservative biblically. I think I'm just wired to say you know like with the Constitution. I'm going to be a uh, a literalist sure. when it comes yeah. to constitution. I'm a literalist when it comes to the Bible. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, if you know me well, you know I'm kind of picky on detail. So yeah. I think that's that's not an easy that's not an, an easy place to be because people can say, well, you're this or you're that, but you know, I don't want to I don't want to be tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're just getting blown all over the place. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about was I think sometimes there can be this idea that if I listen to such and such a source, mm -hmm. a left or right. As long as I'm kind of in that group, then mm -hmm. I'm in the right boat, if you will. 
Sure. And, and, and maybe you were kind of saying that maybe some of the people who have, have left grace would maybe find that stream on the, on the left side a little bit more. And some people who are maybe at grace, they're kind of saying, Hey, as long as I'm, as long as I'm, you know, in this conservative stream, then I'm the one who's right. Could you just maybe speak to the fact that like the Bible just triumphs over that in every way and it's so yes. much greater, oh, so yes. much bigger. It's so true. And I want to, let me backtrack for a moment. I, I mentioned something the other, a moment ago about being conservative. My biblical, you know, uh, mindset and my biblical handling, my hermeneutics, my, my exegesis, the way I handle the word drives everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that every Christian must come to the same political conclusions or social conclusions mm-hmm. or fiscal conclusions I come to. That would be ludicrous. Yeah. That's like saying every Christian must drive a Toyota or a Chevy. <laughs> like, no, please don't hear me wrong. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, as I was saying that, I thought this could be taken the wrong way. So what I'm saying is the Bible is over everything. That's the umbrella under under which everything falls in my life. Yeah. Now you can pick out inconsistencies because I'm a fallen frail, faulty man, a sinful man. But what I'm saying is my attempt is, I'm not saying I'm right all the time. I'm wrong all the time. And I think I'm pretty fair to admit it, you know, and and confess my sins and repent if it's a sin issue. But the idea of saying not every one of my ideas as it it pertains to politics or uh, social issues or economics or whatever are correct Mm -hmm. or absolute, Mm -hmm. but that I'm trying to derive derive those and line those up with the Bible as much I can. Mm -hmm. But I don't like saying, and now I'm in that group. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be aligned with a political party. Mm -hmm. I don't want Mm -hmm. to be aligned with a social movement. Mm -hmm. I'm aligned under the Lord Jesus Christ and his universal church and Grace Church of Orange. Amen. That's my, that's where my identity, my identity is not in being the senior pastor of Grace Church of Orange. My identity is being a follower of Jesus because he chose me before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. He regenerated me. I follow him by faith, uh, by grace through faith in Christ. And I live by the grace and the mercy of God. And so everything is under that identity. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I know that totally makes sense. I, I know that's just one of the things we wanted to touch on today. Just, hey, yeah. if you felt like, you know, whether on the podcast on Sunday morning, if there's been any kind of a, you know, just this sense of, oh, you know, politics is in is center view. Right. It's just not the case. Jesus right. is in center view. Sure. He's the king. We're under his lordship. We're following him. Oh, yeah. And I think that one of the reasons that we, well, I'm, I appreciate what you said about, hey, this pulpit isn't a political pulpit. One of the reasons for that, I mean, is that Jesus's reign is eternal and coming soon. And all of these other things that that are important now. Mm-hmm do kind of pale in yeah. comparison to the importance of Jesus. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I'm ordained as a, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not a mouthpiece for American uh, policies or mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. Or, or other people. I, I'm, I'm standing up and saying, this, here's the word of God, and here's what it meant in context to the people who received it. And the sermon that I'm going to preach here is going to have as its main point what the main point of that passage is. As far as I can tell, as hard as I can work at it, this is what God meant when he said this. So like this Sunday, I'm preaching Ecclesiastes 8, 1 through 9, and it's startling. I feel like I keep opening my Bible every week to study for my sermon going, oh my goodness, this is so appropriate right now. Hmm. I mean, the passage I'm preaching, you know, basically is saying like, Obey the word of the king. Yeah. Okay. It's like, wow. Okay. And here's that's King Solomon speaking, right? But keep keep the king's command because of because of God's oath to him. Like 
God has set up kings in authority. And again, if they if they tell you to do something that's immoral or mm-hmm. against the word, right? So, for example, abortion has become such a big deal. Why? Well, this year, 37 million kids worldwide have been killed already, mm-hmm. murdered already. You know, and you talk about pro-life and it's like the only, the unborn are the only ones that aren't living yet to be able to defend themselves. All the other pro-life stances are, you know, caring for the elderly or uh, fostering or adopting or uh, uh, helping immigrants and all the things that we would want to do as the church. Those are all people that are already alive. But, you know, unborn children, like like the sanctity of life, that's important. Mm-hmm. I cannot support uh, murdering children. Yeah. And people are hammering Christians and saying, how come you've made that the issue? Hmm. Well, because our society made it the issue. Our society, mm-hmm. actual America, actually made it legal mm-hmm. to to murder children, and if mm-hmm. and, and God says that should not happen, mm-hmm. and so the idea of I'm not going to go with the government just because they gave me cover to sin. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Amen. Yeah. And, and totally I mean, I mean that like in the most in the most compassionate way. Like mm-hmm. like my heart goes out to people who've gone through that who deeply regret doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart also is heavy over people that are maybe high-handed about that. Say, it's a right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my goodness, do, are, do we know what we're saying? Like, God is sovereign. We're not sovereign. We're, we're not sovereign. God is. So anyway, I know that I probably got off topic there, but you talked even about being in that group or this group, and we're in the church. Mm-hmm. Christians are to be t- united mm-hmm. and like-minded in the gospel while not holding all the diff- all the same views like we have unity in the midst of diversity yeah now you don't want to hold sinful ideas you don't mm-hmm. want to hold um, you don't want to say well here's what the Bible says but I'm going to hold a, a view that's absolutely opposed to it mm-hmm. and God's okay with that mm-hmm. no yeah God's not okay with that no we want to please the Lord we want to whatever you eat or drink whatever you do you know first Corinthians 1031 do all to the glory of God yeah yeah no amen. Um, maybe just a final thought or a question for you. Kind of a strange place to go, but Ephesians 2 and 3 talk about God's unifying work mm-hmm. between the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And obviously those are significant barriers to overcome, huge barriers ethnically mm-hmm. and in terms of history. Sure. How how does the cross reconcile believers now, not just along those lines, but along all kinds of political, socioeconomic, just any line that we could think of? How does the cross reconcile? Well, praise God that the cross reconciles. Uh, we're unified in Christ, unified in peace. And you think about what Ephesians 2 and 3 you know, say, uh, that we were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. We had no hope, mm-hmm. and we were without God in the world. But now, remember the Bible says, but now God has done this. In Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is why the cross unifies. You're brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. So he took Jew and Gentile. He broke down the dividing wall. He made peace. He preached peace. And through him, we have access in one spirit to the Father. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And, and the, the mystery of the gospel and, and the fact that he's bringing to light the mystery that was hidden. And now it is not a mystery anymore. And that we have the manifold wisdom of God in Christ. 
and that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, uh, we Paul prays for the church that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner beings, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love and have strength to comprehend with all the saints, unified, at peace with all the saints, with the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what it does, it points us straight back to Jesus. Jesus is the unifying factor. Jesus is the unifying truth. Jesus himself is our peace. Mm -hmm. And if we get our eyes on Jesus and we confess our sins and we always want to repent and reconcile, then you'll notice a movement of God where believers who were alienated because of politics or because of preferences or because of uh, policies or positions will start to move back and say, no, Jesus is stronger than my opinions and your opinions, mm -hmm. and I'm going to look beyond those things, right? Mm -hmm. and, and seriously, what I hope is that I see more people at Grace Church of Orange on Sunday that I haven't seen for a while because they had polarized with each other, and we say, no, we're going to come together to praise the, the glories of God's grace in Christ under the tent. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that, and it's cool that we're under a tent. Our tent is Christ. Okay? Our tent is scripture. Stay under that tent with us, people. Listeners, stay under that tent. And if you're at another church, don't divide from your church because of politics or policies or preferences. Mm -hmm. You need to unite around Christ and don't excuse sin in your life or anyone else's life. Hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for that. That's a great note to end on. Listeners, you know that we are thankful for you. We love you. We pray for you. We mm -hmm. are grateful for this chance to talk about Jesus mm -hmm. in this setting. So we're thankful, and, and we will be back next week on the Ordinary Church Podcast.